Welcome back here on the Bradage World Podcast. Bradage itself is a good friend of the show from the Morning Journal and Idea Street Public Media, Sean Fitzgerald. The former college of functional radio discussed all things NFL, all the moves recently in the NBA and the MLB playoffs. Their biannual chat between the two friends start now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, general ages, it is a Friday on Brains World, a special Friday edition because our first guest for the football season is here. As always, my biannual conversation with my former sports director, Buck Radio, now currently of the Morning Journal, the man who just published the first installment of his annual Where Things Stand series. Part one is up now. That link will be in the description below. I introduce to you all to the one, the only, Sean Fitzgerald. Also of Idea Stream Public Media, where you can hear me most weekends, but this weekend I'll actually be out of town. So I guess that's kind of a lie, but also mostly true. <laughs> but yeah, Where Things Stand 2023 NFL Edition Part 1 is out right now. You can find the link on my Twitter. If some of you follow me on Facebook, you can find it there as well. Or go to medium.com, search Where Things Stand 2023 NFL Edition Part 1. Five years, man. Five years we've been doing this, and you've been my editor all through that, and I am so grateful to you. But also, man, we have teams that have been shredded. We have some teams to praise. We have secret projects to uh, discuss and all that, if you know what I mean. But you guys should go totally give it a read because I am so sad because I was looking at some of the analytics, and compared to part one last year, they are way down. I need, I, I want to, I want people to read it, man. You got to go see it. You got it. It's, it's, it's one of the best editions I think we've written so far. So make sure to go check it out on medium.com. And, you know, it's funny, Sean, when I edit those pieces, I, as, as you know, I'm the biggest NFL fan there is. So I have to keep my bias out of it on some of the narratives that you write. Because a lot I agree with, some of them I don't agree with. And course, I know. And, of course, <laughs> we're going to get into uh, a lot of of, of the NFL, and that's where we're going to kick off today's show. And I'm going to give you a little bit of an open-ended question to kick things off, because um, obviously we know the Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. Obviously, we know how stacked the AFC, at least we all thought it was coming into the season. Uh, there's a little bit of a narrative to me that I think is a little bit false. I said it this week on the podcast. There's a thought out there the AFC is not as good as people think. I don't think it's the truth. I just think we all kind of forget that these teams sort of play each other, and it takes about three, four weeks to get everybody in, and people are going to beat everybody up. Um, I still think that there's very good football teams out there. Just right now, and I understand people are saying Miami and Buffalo and Baltimore and all these sexy picks. I don't know about Baltimore. And, and, I, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if Baltimore matches up with Kansas City. I think Buffalo's year, you know, was kind of two years ago in that classic playoff game they had with Kansas City. And Miami has injury history players, and it smells like to me they can't play very well in cold weather. So I guess my point is a lot of people are trying to knock down Kansas City, saying they haven't played well, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you're trying to find an excuse to get rid of the next dynasty in the NFL, and it's just not going to happen. Nope. I mean, overall, I mean, the AFC is tough. I mean, even Houston, 
Yeah. Houston, I didn't think they'd have a win by now. I thought CJ Stroud was going to be on his back with an ACL tear. And I'm not saying this because I want to bother the harm to him. I thought he should have been the number one pick. I thought he was a smart pick, the safe pick. I like Bryce Young. He's interesting. I just, and probably some, even though we're both Kent alum, you both, you and I both know I love my Buckeyes. Uh, I mean, there might've been some bias in there, but it's like, if you can't run a QB sneak with Bryce Young, that's a little bit worrisome, but Houston's done fairly well. They're two and two based off of tiebreakers. They're second in the division ahead of Jacksonville. And I'm not going to say their proper name on here because we have narratives to uphold, but Indianapolis is on top right now. But I mean, Kansas city, Buffalo have looked legit. Miami's looked legit. Uh, Baltimore, they could sell me a little bit more, but I think, you know, they're doing decent Pittsburgh or frauds. I mean, one of the teams that we thought coming into the year might make some real noise, you know, New York jets, their season basically ended for the most part, you know, four snaps into their season uh, when Aaron Rodgers went down. So I'm, I'm hoping that Zach Wilson, that Monday, that Sunday night game against the chiefs. I know I'm hoping that, that game where his teammates actually helped pick him up in terms of just emotional moment where he's like, you know, I failed. I'm the reason we lost. And then seeing him grow there. I'm hoping just for that guy's sake, like I, I want to see him succeed after that game. Cause you could tell, like he, he knew that was probably his last chance and he probably bought himself some goodwill there in terms of just what he was able to do with the locker room. But I mean, Buffalo, Miami, Kansas city, those three are obviously among my favorites. Cleveland can still get it turned around if Deshaun Watson knows what his shoulder can do. Uh, I mean, you got to win the rest of your division games there. Otherwise, I think if you go three and three, it's going to be a very difficult road uh, in the division. And then Jacksonville, I'm not going to count them out yet. Houston is not going to be close, but if they make the playoffs, it'll be at least interesting for a storyline. And then you got the Chargers. I mean, there are a couple of good teams, but. I'll give to some people's credit if the Bengals were not trotting out uh, a half injured Joe Burrow, who I feel like could be on the verge of tearing an Achilles just with that calf injury. I mean, the AFC would be stronger if the Bengals were playing up to their potential, but they're not. I'm not saying they had to be three and one, but at least two and two and actually playing competent team football, especially on the offensive side. But the AFC is still strong. It's just a little depleted due to a couple of injuries. I may be the only person in the world that still thinks Cincinnati's going to be there at the end of the season. I, I think, think they will too. It's just, I, I don't know. It's just like the the calf. Like we've not seen Burrow like this when he's been healthy, and obviously he's injured, but it's bothering him so much. Those guys just can't get going. That's concerning. Like if I'm Cincinnati, if it costs you a game, sit him. Sit him before it's too late because if you sit him for one game now and that means he's healthy for most of the rest of the way and you rattle off a big win streak, that pays off down the road because this is, I think this week they'd be better off getting him a game on the bench and then bringing him back a little healthier. I don't remember when their bye week is, but I mean, if they're trying to hold out till then, I don't think that's wise. You need to give him at least. You need to give them some time, man. I mean, I don't know what else you're going to do. I mean, what? It looks like their next game is against Arizona, then the Seahawks, and then they have their bye. I don't think you can take Arizona lightly, and you can't take Seattle lightly either. That's the problem. So with the Bengals, 
they're 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 the real wild card right now because they're not where they should be. And I'd say right now, rest them against the Cardinals, even if that means you take a loss. Play them against the Seahawks. Give them a week of rest with that bye week. Then you play the 49ers and Bills, and that's going to be a gauntlet that you want to be prepared for. So the weird thing is, I don't know if you saw the the uh, Vegas line for the game against uh, Arizona this weekend, which I I took Cincinnati this week in my best bets. They're only a three-point favorite. Um, Cincinnati is? Yeah, they're, they're only a three-point favorite. On the road against there, I thought for sure they'd be at least a touchdown favorite. So no, not with the way they're playing. But I mean, come on, it's Cincinnati against Arizona. But also, you have to give credit they, to Arizona here. I'm Arizona's not giving done. any credit to. to I know Arizona because I'm well, going to give you no, credit no, no, for no, all no, the no, stuff you no, did with no, Cliff no, 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 no. Well, let me explain why. Let me explain why because I have a theory on this. Who did they play their first three games against? Washington. Uh, Giants, Dallas. You know what all three of those teams have in common? All three of them are NFC East opponents. Who did Jonathan Gannon just come just, just come from? The Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. Gannon already had those teams game planned for. And, you know, we saw what happened against San Francisco. They got smashed. They got their one wins against Dallas. They played hard. They're done. They're not going to win another game the, the rest of the year. Cincinnati's going to bounce back this weekend. They're going to stop Arizona. I think that's the worst line I've ever seen in my life. And Cincinnati's going to come back on their way because Burrow said he's getting healthy. I'm sorry. I have a tendency to believe them. I don't believe them because I see quarterbacks like him try to play through things, and they shouldn't. I want – he needs to rest. If you if you feel that confident they can win, sit Burrow, play the backup, and they can win. Well, it's I mean, their simple. backup is week. Jake Browning. I mean, here's the thing with Cincinnati. They should have played. They should have got a backup. They've got AJ McCarron on that practice squad. Oh, AJ McCarron, stop it, Sean. AJ McCarron hasn't played in four <laughs> years. But, I mean, if you want a veteran, that's not Browning. He's your next best option. I mean, but, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati's just – it's just weird with them right now. It, it is strange. Well, I want to talk about another team in the division, uh, and that is our hometown Cleveland Browns. I said going into the season they needed to be 2-2 two and two for the first four weeks to stay alive. They did that. Obviously, stomping Tennessee, which I'm sorry, Tennessee is not very good. Uh, mm. Obviously, Cincinnati without Burrow. They took care of business. Should have won that game at Pittsburgh if it wasn't for the poor play of, of Deshaun Watson. And then obviously, you know, when you don't yeah, have the Watson, game, you couldn't do anything about that. One. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson's a preseason quarterback that everybody falls in love with, and we realize that he really isn't a true backup NFL quarterback because he well, has no game plan. Well, he's but, he's only a fifth round developmental rookie. Don't say that yet. I mean, these guys can still develop. A, like, I'm, he's, not a he's not a starter. Back then. He's not a starter, but he does fit more of the traits that Watson fits. Although you you can't exactly run the same game plan. I'm just saying, give him some slack. Like the Ravens eat rookie quarterbacks alive. Like that that was a tough team to go against, and just I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's where we disagree. Nonetheless, where we agree is we know this season is, is, is all on the base of Deshaun Watson. Now I know where me and you will heavily disagree is 
when Nick Chubb went down, which we're obviously not going to talk about the the gruesome injury, we're not going to talk about the hit. I'm talking about from a game plan perspective. When Chubb went down, my first reaction was, you know what? If you're going to lose one position on the team, and I don't care if it's Nick Chubb, I don't care if you're based off the running game, if you're going to lose one position in your group, where you want to lose it is the running back position. I thought they were going to sign Kareem Hunt the next day. They pretty much did. Uh, Jerome Ford has, has ran nicely. And so I don't think they've lost a lot of juice offensively without Chubb in the lineup. It all comes down to, do you have the quarterback? Is Deshaun Watson going to be accurate enough? Is Kevin Stefanski going to modernize his scheme? Which we That's see- where I have to interject, my friend. Chubb was the safety valve. He would have gotten you in that offense. That would have been a whole different game. Ford could not run against the Ravens. I mean, that was obvious. Hunt was barely usable against the Ravens. Chubb is a whole different monster. I'm not you would not you would not have won the Ravens game, but that would have been a different game. Probably would have been a decent Ravens victory by margin. But right there and then, you cannot have told me that you know Chubb wouldn't like Chubb is still a big part of this offense. Like he, especially if he was healthy, that changes that whole game. That changes the Pittsburgh game too. I think you come out with a win and you're three and one if he's healthy coming out of that game. Chubb is part of that offense, and it's not just because of his impact on the field as a player, but he is a heart and soul guy. He's a glue guy. He is a leader. I don't care that, you know, I think he should have been voted a captain over Deshaun Watson or even Charlie Hewlett. I love Charlie Hewlett. I've interviewed the guy. He's a down-to-earth dude. But you cannot tell me that, especially when you when I heard on the radio on the way home, I was in downtown Cleveland that night for a meeting. On the way home is when I heard everything go down. When you hear Nathan Segura's voice shake like it did, like it, it felt like a funeral just for the next few days when when Chubb just that injury. You need Chubb to be successful. That's why I'm on board with trading, you know, some lower round draft picks to get Jonathan Taylor as a rental out of Indianapolis. I would not have thought about that until the after this past week if Thompson and Ford had actually done really well against the Ravens or at least halfway decent. I wouldn't even have thought that as a scenario, but you need a running back in this offense. This offense cannot just solely rely on Deshaun because if his shoulder is going to hurt like that, then you can't rely on him to be on franchise quarterback just because, well, he hasn't played football for so long. And the fact that he had to sit out a week like that, it does not inspire confidence in me. I mean, if you take like the bye week came early for the Browns. If this had been something, if he had, if this was later in the season, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, you have to have a running back in this system because you were not doing enough to pass the ball, honestly, with enough conviction, with enough to convince me like that. Elijah Moore, like he's done good with volume, but. What has it done? It's been like, you know, I think what he's had like tops of 49 to 60 yards that the offense needs to have some sort of star studded guy to help lead it. That is outside of the quarterback position. You need to get a guy like a Jonathan Taylor because if Jerome Ford doesn't step it up in the next two weeks, I'm not saying the season's doomed, but I'm saying it's a very difficult road to try and get to the Super Bowl. Because I and I'm hoping the Browns get there. I'm hoping they prove me wrong. But being realistic, 
you will not be able to get there without having a guy that has the impact of Chubb, not just on the field, but just knowing how respected and revered the guy is. That has been a blow. And you have to have someone who can replicate that production and back up the talk. That's why I'm saying, you know, and you're not going to give Indianapolis a first round pick. Not for rental back like that. And I would not give him a second round pick either, but give him something. Get Taylor here. Let basically, you know, maybe even write into a contract to not use the franchise tag on him. So that way he can go get his bag and free agency. And I know it's a kind of out there scenario. Even I'm still a little bit skeptical of what I'm pitching. I'm not going to lie about that. But you need some running back that's better than the two that you have on your roster right now and better than Pierre Strong as the third one. And you need you need another weapon. You need something. Because this offense, if you're just relying on Sean and he has another shoulder boo-boo, it's not going to go well. I'm sorry to say that. I know I'm probably being a bit condescending, but this is all business, man. You go out and acquire a quarterback like that and pay him $230 million fully guaranteed, you got to be able to perform. That's the key, and that's why when you have a great quarterback, maybe the great team, and you get out outside of San Francisco, let's take San Francisco out of it because, you know, obviously how great Christian McCaffrey is. Maybe the good, the, the great teams in this league that rely about 50% or more of their offense with a running back. They all have bad quarterbacks. The, the great teams in this league, don't pay their backs. They just don't. They have a running game, but they do it by committee. So if you're saying the Browns need Nick Chubb, they need Jonathan Taylor. Los Angeles Chargers are among the teams that come to mind. Miami Dolphins, even though they go through the air. The Chargers don't need Eckward. They they don't. They're they're still putting up massive numbers without Mike Williams is done for the year. Mike yeah, Williams is done, Williams and you done. and Quinton Johnston has not so shown very what? well yet. Quinton Johnston has to step up. He may be a bust, but I mean, who? Nobody thinks the Chargers. I'm not saying he's a bust, but he he's he's more like developmental track. He needs another year. I mean, listen, nobody ready. thinks the Chargers are going to win a Super Bowl with Brandon Staley as their head coach. That's just the way it goes. But, over over under on the bet, week nine or week ten? You know what? I'm going to say over. I think he gets fired at the end of the season. I don't think he gets fired before week nine because I, I know that they have uh, obviously Dallas coming up. I know in a couple weeks after their bye, Kellen Moore revenge game. I, th- I think they win that game. You know they got another g- game with Denver somewhere in there. You know they got a game with the Raiders. I actually think week seven is at Kansas City. Um, so they could be sitting, you know, three and three around there. But no, I, mm-hmm. I think they'll give Staley the rest of the year. But the fact that he's a defensive coach and they do so well on offense, so that just boggles my mind. So speaking of defensive coaches, uh, I I want to dive deep into this. There's two topics I want to dive into. Who is the first one that I wanted to pitch? One of them has to do with stay away, but we're going to get into the one that you wanted to pitch and I wanted to talk to you about because, what is it now, four years ago when Tom Brady left New England, I said to you, Sean, that's it. The dynasty is over, and you kept presenting me saying, "No, it's not over yet. Trust in Belichick." It wasn't exactly like that, as far as I remember. If I if I did say that, then I will fully own up to it. But I wanted 
to at least give the hoodie a chance to you see, like, okay, let's see what and, you can do. And then when and they, the chances come and pass. No, was it? Was it? Was right. it? No, then in 2021, when they made the playoffs, you still didn't kill them. And I said it's the biggest fraud playoff team I've ever seen in my life. They're not that good. Mac yeah. Jones is not a good quarterback. They and don't you saw have, what happened last year. They they don't they, have mm-hmm. they don't have any wide receivers offensively. They have no speed offensively. You know what they're good at? They're good at drafting guards, safeties, and kickers and punters. That's also cornerbacks brand. and lining back. Cornerbacks and linebackers that throw them into there too. That's that's New England's brand. We're gonna run the football, power football. We're gonna play defense. We're gonna create turnovers. That doesn't work in 2023 football. You watch New England, and then you watch a team like Miami or or Kansas City or Philadelphia or even Detroit. Some of these high flying offenses, it's night and day. I mean, even Detroit's running the ball. Even Kansas City is starting to see Pacheco break out. Like, you gotta give some credit to some of these teams' ground games. But Belichick, I thought you know he he could turn things around, but they butchered Mac Jones last year. This year, they have looked absolutely horrid. You cannot tell me anymore that yeah. I, I was just like, I didn't want to kill him off yet. It's like, let's see. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. But now we see a lot more of the greatness relied on Tom Brady. Because Brady actually got these guys paid. And these guys, even if they stunk in other places, like they, with Brady, that team was different. That team had an air of confidence to them. You don't see that anymore. This New England team is... It's so weird because growing up our entire lives, we were so used to seeing New England, New England, New England atop that AFC East division. And now Tom Brady, like you saw the last couple of years in Tampa Bay, they won the division, what, two out of three seasons he played? Because there was that whole uh, tiebreaker with the Saints back in uh, the year they won the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, you see, like even Baker Mayfield, better than, you know, better this year than he was last year with uh, a couple teams. But overall, I mean, Brady changed it, changed everything in Tampa Bay where their, their team is a lot different now because of what Brady did over three short years. And now you see all that having faded away over the past four years or just a little under four, like three and a quarter over in Foxborough. It is amazing to see how much Brady really was the driver for success. Both men had a hand in it, but, Without Tom Brady taking all those pay cuts, taking all of the world onto his shoulders, that team does not win six Super Bowls. That is just crazy to me to just really see this now. It's just like I wanted to give Belichick the benefit of the doubt, thinking there has to be some method to the madness where it's like, you know, there is so much, you know, that he did too, just on his side of the ball with the defense. But now you really see Brady was the main catalyst. Like without Brady, they're they're cooked. They I don't know. Like unless Mac Jones suddenly finds a new gear and really figures it out, which I doubt he is, it's not going to go well. You're going to be in a perpetual rebuild for the next probably five years. And maybe these words come back to haunt me, but it's it's true. Like, and I mean, New England fans they've been spoiled to death for two decades, so they can they can take this. But so I'm my, I'm just so tired. 
So my bold prediction, one of them going going into the year, I came out about late August, and I said these are going to be five off-the-wall bold predictions. They're probably not going to happen, but they have a chance based off some wild scenario, just, just for fun. I kind of threw them out there. And one of them was, this is going to be Belichick's last year in New England. This I've was had gonna... the same feeling, too. That's that's what I've been feeling. It's just like something feels off. Even though he could get that all-time wins record, it's like the way this year's going, and you want to read where things stand, I have some more thoughts on that. I, I think this might be it. This might be his final ride. So, I mean, by, he, the way, by the and way. even Pete Carroll's getting up there, too. By the way, I, I, I want to finish it with this thing. I think their new head coach is going to be a head coach that's currently somewhere else. Flores. That's, no. Is that who, no. No. You don't think, think it's going to be Flores. I think McDaniels comes back. I You're think, kidding me. The, no I way. Think that that, no way. I always thought that was the plan. I was surprised he left to begin with. I think The that's fact the, that he's sucked again know, in his second but, head but, coaching but job but in that's Las Vegas. the place, New England, where they already have the culture built in. Everywhere else you go, everybody tries to replicate Belichick, right? And, it's and like, it fails no, you, and outside of Brian and, Flores. And, and, it, and it fails. And by the way, Flores didn't work with Tua. Look what Tua's doing with Mike McDaniel now. He looks like an MVP candidate. Well, Regard- the Regard- Dolphins still did well. They had two winning seasons. They the did, still had two winning seasons. It wasn't all on Flores. And they, plus, you they had did, the whole but, but Tua Sean looked Hayden like a deal. bust. Did Tua not look like a bust with Flores? Come on, Sean. The dude was... Dude, remember he had a big injury coming out of college. And yes, he but was just he, fig- he, he was still figuring things close out. Close to this, he looked he was nothing still figuring close things. to I still, this. I still think he could have figured it out with Flores. Not with Flores. That offense was not. It wasn't the motion. It wasn't this. It wasn't cover. Miami is out coaching people. Hmm. Like it's it's a complete one eighty from from what they were with Flores. Very good defensively, not very good offensively. Now it's we're very good off. But you have to admit, Flores was done dirty. He was done dirty. Oh, for sure. But I will but say he, this. So I'm I'll, just to my point, though. This, this is my only I point. Will say this. He is a success. He is one of the rare successes from the Belichick tree. One of the I rare ones. I will say this. I'll, I'll give credit to Miami for this. They pivoted from a potential Sean Payton, Tom Brady, to Mike McDaniel and Tua. And by the way, it worked out for everybody. Overall, it. I just don't know about Josh McDaniel going back and being a successful head coach. He's failed in Denver. He waited and waited and waited. He took the Las Vegas job after backing out of the Colts job, and he has sucked. You cannot tell me that he would do better in New England. You can tell me all about the culture, but the culture's dead. Brady was part of that culture. Brady is not there anymore. The culture is dead. I don't know dead. if the culture is dead. I don't know if it's dead. It's certainly not coming back with McDaniel. If he leads like if he leads the way that he has in Denver and in Las Vegas, New England's going nowhere. They're not going anywhere, man. Like I I mean, it would be interesting to see, but it's not gonna end well. It will not end well at all. Okay. Period. I want to talk about the mindset real quick of defensive coaches, and then we're going to get into the rookie quarterbacks. Real quick, there were three scenarios on Sunday in three different games from defensive coaches. Scenario number one, 
Brandon Staley pulled up Brandon Staley. And we, they're up seven at their own 30, and they and they do a fourth and one QB sneak. First of all, I get it. Staley's very aggressive. You're trying to, to end the game with your, your offense. And I'm a very aggressive offensive-minded coach, as you know. But I don't care what the analytics say. You're going against a backup quarterback. You have seven sacks on the day. The Raiders cannot protect <laughs> anybody, and they cannot move the ball. They had 10 points going into the fourth quarter. Punt the ball. If there's the Raiders offensive line hasn't blocked Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa all day. Punt the ball and play defense. So Brandon I mean, Staley. Khalil Mack gets six sacks on the poor guy. I feel bad for O'Connell. So, so Brandon Staley got away with that one. Then there's the um, Chicago one. Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields plays the best <laughs> game he played all season long. They go up 28-7 to on Denver. Then Denver obviously rages back. But you have a fourth and one at the Denver 30. You, as a defensive coach, can decide to take the field goal and rely on your defense to get one stop against Russell Bleep and Wilson, who's been the worst second-half quarterback in football this year. Or if you go for it, at least come up with a better play than let's run the ball out of shotgun to Khalil Herbert. Not oh my even, God. Not even giving your best player, Justin Fields, or a sweep to DJ Moore. No creativity whatsoever. I thought that was the wrong decision. Then we get to one more, and I'll, I'll let you break down all three of these decisions at once here in a second. We get to Ron Rivera. Uh, now, I had said going into the Washington game, I thought Washington had a chance to beat us. The exact same way they beat the Eagles in Week 10 last year on that Monday night. Run the football, control the clock, get a couple of, of, of lucky-ass penalties. By the way, it was all happening once again. Control the clock, get a couple phantom holding calls, can't get off the field on third down, and then Sam Howe decides to throw a great pass on the last play of the game. No idea how Dotson got open. But instead of going for the win, when you're a nine-and-a-half-point dog on the road with an inferior team, Rod Rivera says, my guys are too tired to run a two-point play. Excuse me, what? That's a fireball did he Did right he there. say that legitimately? He... Yes, he did. He said, I felt like my guys were too tired in that moment, so I decided to kick the extra point. Those I would were have shredded words. him to bits if I had known that in WTS. If you had told me that, I would have absolutely changed that narrative and added an addendum to it. So, Oh, my God. Okay, so, you're putting that, that note in for next for part two. Oh my god. Oh because so, it's so, your it's gonna be your Eagles narrative that I'm so, I've now decided is a part two staple. We're also throwing that in with Washington. Oh my god. So Rod Rivera decides my guys are too tired. I'm gonna kick the extra point instead of winning. Listen, if 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 they don't get it, you say, Oh man, good try. We went in there, we went toe to toe with the NFC champions. It's two yards away. You just drove down and tie the score with a minute 20 left and something with, I think, one or no timeouts. Unbelievable. And then they get the ball in overtime, and then and then they put it away. Obviously, Jake Elliott kicks the field goal. Philly wins in overtime. So, once again, it's oh three God. defensive coaches with three bad decisions. And I just feel like to wrap it all up on the topic, and, and then I'll let you go, I just think, 
we saw with Brian Dave, we got the most out of Daniel Jones anybody could ever freaking could last year. I think offensive coaches just have more sensibility to the quarterback position. They have more sensibility in knowing, hey, we need weapons. We need tight end. We we can be creative. We get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. They just understand the game is built offensively for you to move the ball down the field. And these defensive head coaches, a lot of them, Sean McDermott's not not one of them in Buffalo, but a lot of them think we can still win the game six to three. As long as our quarterbacks don't turn the ball over, we'll be fine. And it's not like that in today's NFL. Oh, my God. So first, dumb, that's Brian Staley. Even dumber, that's Las Vegas. And then absolute fucking dumbass, or just to be PG, absolute dumbass, Ron Rivera. What the flipping hell? I have no words for you, man. I Especially with Rivera, that one, that one really, I, I mean, all right, rookie QBs. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Oh my God. So, oh so going into the draft, you mentioned at the top of this show you were a big fan of CJ Shrub. Um, I was a big fan of Anthony Richardson. A lot like I was the biggest fan of Josh Allen when he came out of Wyoming. I and not to be raised or anything, you and Mitch Spinell were both not on to the be racist or anything, but I literally called Anthony Richardson the black Josh Allen. That's what I saw in him. I saw a guy who, who, who was raw coming out of college but a very talented skill set that had to be with the right offensive coach. And he got the perfect guy for him. Shane Steichen worked with Justin Herbert in in LA his rookie year, worked with Jalen Hurts over the last two years in Philadelphia. I think Steichen's brilliant. And after the the fiasco the Colts were last year with Jeff Saturday and un un you know I mean to be un- fair un- though to believe. Saturday like Ursay inserted himself in all that oh, if 100%. any sensible other person had been running that operation they would have tapped somebody else the point so, is like, I, I I'm I'm never going to blame Jeff Saturday for all no, of what happened but the like point he, is but he, he tried his best he Saturday tried his best but yeah Steichen was the right hard but I will say. Anyone who tries to just tear Jeff Saturday apart, Saturday tried his best in one of the most difficult situations that probably any man could have walked into. So, and then there's Bryce Young. And I took a swing in the dark because nobody knew what the NFC South was going to be this year. And I thought Carolina... I still don't think we know. I think it's going to... I don't think we're going to know until week 11. And, you know, I thought Carolina... I'm very surprised they're they're 0-4. I thought they were going to be a pretty good team. I had them winning the division at, at 8-9. and nine. I thought Bryce Young was going to be pretty good with Frank Reich, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst. Well, you traded away your Shark. top wide out to get Bryce Young, so... They, they did, and I... And, and I, I love Adam like Thielen. It. Adam Thielen's good over reliable, but just remember, DJ Moore is a really good receiver when he has a good quarterback. Yes, so, and, I, and I do agree. And yeah. I didn't love turning away DJ Moore, but I get it because you needed a quarterback. Yeah, it was necessary. Like in the in the grand scheme of things, if you wanted to get the number one pick, unless you were a few spots behind, like closer behind. So like if you were like uh, at number five or number six instead of what was it number nine? Number nine. Yeah, you may not have given had to give up DJ Moore necessarily. Maybe. I'm not saying it would have been an absolute, but and but then yeah. there's and then there's Shroud real quick. Yeah. And and you know, Shroud, like I predicted Houston to finish this year seven and ten. 
I know why do people thought that they were going to be two and 15, three and 14. I said, look at the free agents they picked up on the offensive line. They're, they're weapons, their defense. I mean, like, to be fair, I didn't pay attention to that. And that honestly has made all the difference. Stroud, even with a guy like, you know, a Rod, veteran Robert Woods, he's not been his number one, but he's been a reliable go too. Yeah, and that, and, and Wood, that Woods still has the potential the to, yeah, and Woods still has the potential to, you know, have big games. He can still, you know, flash out when he needs to. I mean, Nico Collins, Tank Dell. I mean, they the Texans, for all the mistakes they've made the last couple of years and the one-and-done coaches, I'm hoping they've hit on D'Amico Ryan. That and would mean, Will Anderson as well. Who they that was, a, that the was a thing. That was a literal draft day out of the movie. Yep, we literally saw a draft day in the movie play out in the NFL draft. And for all of you uh, script conspiracy theorists that the NFL is scripted, that might have been your best piece of evidence right there. I'm not on that board with you, but that might have been the one moment you might have been able to convince me. But that I will give Nick Castillo. He has some balls to go and do that. He and has it, some big cojones to go and do that to get not only Stroud, but also get uh, Anderson out of Alabama. So just quickly, I know that you're in love with CJ Stroud. You already stated at the top. What are your thoughts, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson? For the record, the one guy I did not love in the draft, and I'm not surprised he voted the second round, was uh, Will Levis. The, yeah, the kid Levis was right. a wild card, just to mention him briefly. I mean, I I could see the potential, but at the same time, I just felt like he needed a right situation kind of thing. Like, he was kind of like Josh Allen when they finally got him fixed up in, what was it, year three, or whatever year it was that they finally got his mechanics in shape, but like Bryce Young, I still think he can be a good quarterback. It's just wait and see for him. That's why it was kind of hard to write Carolina's narrative. It's like, I need some more data. I need to see a little bit more because it's like, I see the promise, but it's like, I can't really judge you yet because I know all the circumstances that led into this. Anthony Richardson, he's high ceiling. I just feel like the bus potential is still there. I'm that I'm worried about, especially if you lose a safety valve like Jonathan Taylor, I'm worried about what happens, you know, especially if that, you know, uh, was it uh, Quentin Nelson and other pieces that v- once vaunted O-line are getting older or getting cut or, cut or trade over time. And that's not going to do Richardson any favors because that team was originally built for Andrew Luck, who had to retire because he was just so banged up and injured all hell. And then CJ Stroud and look, CJ Stroud, salute him for actually beating Pittsburgh and actually having them like go back and lick their wounds. But man, he's looked good, but there's also been a few rookie mistakes thrown in there. I mean, Stroud is not luck. He's not rookie year luck where luck looked like he was like a young veteran. He, but Stroud is definitely someone I'm really high on. I'd say it's for me right now, just through four weeks. The NFL is very reactionary, so this can change at any time. Stroud, Young, Richardson. I need, I need a like. And Richardson and Young are very close. I don't know who I would really pick over those two right now. Like it's literally a coin flip. But right now, I, I mean, Stroud is just a little bit ahead of the pack. But I think, I don't know if he'll be the offensive rookie of the year, but we'll see. But it's probably going to be Puka Nakua. All right, Sean, last NFL question for you. And I got to ask it because I, you know, I'm a good show hoster. I'm a good podcast. I got to ask this question. Are you a Swifty? So, 
I don't know how to exactly answer this question because I'm just not all into just capitalizing on the pop culture moment. I, I'm not someone who listens to, and I'll just say this, I do not hate Taylor Swift. I'm just someone whose music tastes just vary. I If I listen to music, whether it's a regular sound, song or a soundtrack, it's just whatever vibes with me, just it fits. If it doesn't, it's like, oh, well, like there's only a few genres of music or artists I really do not like or I hate. Swift, I would say, is in that I don't like her. I don't hate any of her work. I'm not someone who's super familiar with a lot of her work. If you probably pointed it out to me, uh, if it's something that pops over the radio, I might recognize it. So, like, I'm not someone who's constantly listening to Taylor Swift or all the other artists. Like, it's just for I think for me, a lot, a lot of it's just like a little bit of rock and roll. Some, some of that might be my dad's influence. A little bit of just like other stuff too, especially just stuff that uh, outside of when I'm just trying to calm myself down is more like kind of like for me, I'm that high energy up-tempo guy. And right now, like for folks who are listening, you're hearing me probably really, you know, pulled back for the most part, kind of trying to dial back the energy. I kind of uh, overdid it a few weeks ago with uh, uh, some shouting. Let's just put it that way. And I will not go any further and comment on that. <laughs> But in terms of being a Swifty and not trying to dodge the question, I, I don't know how to answer the question. I mean, if being not being a Swifty means uh, not listening to her music, I don't listen to her music, but it's not because I hate Taylor Swift's music. It's just it's just part of who I am. It's just the music doesn't really speak much to me. But, you know, if there's certain songs, there's probably I've heard that I probably like and I probably just don't recognize the voice to the artist. So I, I don't know if I would say I'm necessarily one or not. I'm just saying I'm I think the NFL is going a little too far on pushing that whole rumored romance thing. I think it's a little too much. But right now, I mean, you know, it's a cool moment, but I don't want it to be overplayed throughout this whole season and turned into a soap opera drama. And that's what I'm afraid will happen. But if there are any Taylor Swift fans out there, like, please, like, I'm just a guy who's just like, I'm a simple dude. So please don't attack me for anything I say, like nothing against Taylor Swift like just like my choice in music is just a bit different than probably yours so again nothing against Taylor Swift there's probably some songs I've heard I just don't recognize and put face to name always and like if someone pointed out to me I'd be like oh yeah that, like that's a good song or you know I'll be I'll be honest but yeah that's that's my opinion that's the best answer I can give so I, I don't know whether that classifies me as a Swifty or not for all you Swifties out there, Sparks flew last week in the National Basketball Association when Damian Lillard went from the Portland Trailblazers, he finally got out of that dumpster fire and went to another small market in Milwaukee. Milwaukee had to give up Drew Holiday eventually to Portland, who then flipped him to Boston. Sean, I think everybody, you know, consensus take, Bucks, Celtics, Best two teams in the Eastern Conference right now. Do you agree? I'd say it's Bucks, yes. Celtics, I'd lean yes, but they're definitely like Celtics are definitely like top four without a doubt. Top three, more than likely. Top two, it's I'd say it's close. I'm just not sure who I'd place at number two, just because my NBA knowledge, like with all the moves this offseason, just feels a little scattered right now. But like, yeah, like the Celtics are up in that top two, top three for certain. 
the Bucks definitely like and Lillard like I would I loved his loyalty to Portland but for everything that he did he is one of the few guys where it's like I would bend on my own rule of like you know athlete loyalty it's like yeah he deserved a shot elsewhere and he got it he's with Giannis now and they should hopefully be able to win the only problem is you know did you give up too much depth and that's going to be the big question it's loaded you got Middleton you got Giannis you've got Lillard among others but the depth you've got, you'll have to find a way to replenish that over time. And it's not going to be easy to do, especially with the new CBA from what I can kind of remember and piece together because it's it's been a while since I've read over an NBA CBA, but it, it's going to be harder to build a team. But if, if you, the stars stay healthy and the key role players that they do still have are still able to be there, I mean, the Bucks should hopefully be able to not be a first round or second round exit as early as they were last year. And I, I'm going to just jump the gun right here. You wanted to talk about the Cavs if they need to make a blockbuster move. No, I don't think they do. The Cavaliers are just fine where they are for the moment. Now, this could change as the season goes on. I think we're going to see a far different Evan Mobley in, what, his third year? Mobley is going to make a jump. He's added at least seven pounds of muscle, according to Evan Drammel and some other reporters that were at Cavs Media Day. Mobley is a guy that, I, I think I've said this before, it's either this year or or next year that he's really going to make a leap. He's going to be a like leap towards like closer to superstar. If not at superstar, you'll have Garland, you'll have Mitchell and you'll finally have Mobley right up there. So that makes me a lot more comfortable knowing that Mobley's now got a couple years on his belt. He's had some NBA training. He's been able to fill out that frame a little bit more. He look, he's not a full fully grown man just yet. But I feel a lot more confident knowing that you have that unicorn in Mobley who's been improving. And like, I think we talked last year, like somewhat like around the time where he was struggling during the season. If I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he got better after that point and he improved. I'm not saying that this team is perfect, it's not without its flaws, but I'd say the Cavs are up there in that top three or top four. I'm not saying they're number one. They are not there yet. But my hope is if Mobley makes that jump, even if he makes a higher jump than I thought he would this year and I thought it would be more of next year, you were in a much better position and then you have to decide, maybe not at the trade deadline this year, but next summer, what do you do with Jared Allen? Because I love Jared Allen. I think he's a good glue guy, especially a good, uh, good rebounder and can still get double digits in terms of scoring. But Mobley... Mitchell Garland, those are your big three with Allen as a complimentary big four piece. He's let's not get them mixed up with Golden State when they had Durant. Let's not go there. Uh, that's not what I'm saying, but definitely I think the Cavaliers are in a better position, especially if that seven pounds of muscle and we start seeing Mobley really start to be able to push around some guys a little bit more. You are going to have a much different Cavs team to deal with, especially if that talent has continued to evolve over the offseason. Okay. So, I wanted to talk about the Cavs with you because I brought on a few guests over the summer and I proposed this trade. And so you may have heard it, you may have not. You're you're not gonna like it based oh, on the answer you if just you, gave. If if, if was I'm it, not was it, was, no, like no, it, no 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 don't don't interrupt. We 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 we'll, we'll just give you my whole thought process on it. Okay. All right, I'm gonna I'm, gonna, I'm, then. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through everything. 
So it is April. It's the first round series against the Knicks. The Cavs are getting absolutely bullied by, by Mitchell Robinson and, and Opie Toppin. And they're they're losing a game series in five games against a team that I'm sorry was not better than the Cavaliers. And Donovan Mitchell flat out sucked for games three, four, and five in that series. And the Cavs were not very good in that series at all. So I'm laying in bed that night, the night of game five, that Wednesday night when the Cavs have got away. I'm sitting there thinking about the team. Obviously, this is before any free agency moves, this is before any of the draft moves. I'm sitting there going, everybody wants to trade Jared Allen, but you're not going to get that much value for, for, for Allen. And I really, and I still believe this, by the way, even with Mobley putting on seven pounds of muscle, I don't think Mobley's body is necessarily built to play the five in the NBA. I think he's a Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Perfect style power forward in today's game. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I like Mobley at the four. I still like like Jared Allen, regardless of what he said about, you know, the the, the lights were too big for him. That bothered me a little bit. But I still think when he's in there, the Cavs are a very good defensive team. So we know going in, the Cavs' biggest problem is the wing at the small forward. And it dawned on me. The best trade you're going to get is, and this is where you're going to hate me, the one to move is Garland. The one to move is Garland. To me, you can move Mitchell to the one. You could have slotted Levert at the two. And this, this is the only real trade I could come up with that I think makes sense for both sides. You call the Los Angeles Clippers. And you tell them, because obviously they need a point guard. We will give you Darius Garland. You basically have the choice. Do you want to give us Kawhi Leonard or do you want to give us Paul George? And they hmm. decide. And that's your trade. So you would have Mitchell, Levert, either George or Kawhi. And I know both of them have, have injury history. But when they are healthy, which you wouldn't need them to play all, all 82 games because you would still have Mitchell. And again, we have this Bates kid. And assuming they'd still be able to, to sign Max Struess, you have a little bit more depth there. You have Mitchell, you have Overt, you have one of those two. With Mobley at the four, developing, becoming your number two guy potentially, and then Jared Allen at the five at the back line of that defense. That was my proposal, and I'll add to it one more thing. I say that because even though the Cavs got bullied on the boards, I started to look at it and I started to think, the Garland-Mitchell issue to me may still be what, what the Garland-Sexton issue was, which is you can't have two six one small guards on the same court at the same time to win a championship. That, by the way, don't the, play great defense. Man Lillard, right? Correct. I mean, honestly, I think Leonard is too much of a distraction, but if you told me you could get me Paul George, I honestly could find a way to maybe get on board with that. Maybe a little reluctantly at first, but you might have actually, like with Paul George, that might make some sense. Mitchell, George, Mobley, maybe Allen and Struess, and then have Bates hopefully develop into the talent that people thought he could have been when he was one of the top recruits out of high school not too long ago. I mean, just, but even just those first five uh, minus Bates I mentioned, I mean, 
you could you might have been able to talk me into uh like a, a garland george swap i'm not kidding you when i say that like that, that's leonard I, I, felt, I feel like leonard everybody is the one thought I, just... I was crazy and then when i explained was it Kawhi leonard's off the wall too like i i understand it it's not it's just like but, i love leonard's talent but i he just seems like he's a I know. guy it's like i would not trust my life to resign that dude because you couldn't even keep him in Toronto. He was already dead set yes. on going to a, a I know. warm weather market. I know. Paul George, I think, is more will, more willing and more amenable to do something like resign in a cold weather city. So that's where it's like, yeah, I mean, if you told me like just Garland and Paul George, yeah, I, I mean, I would would it be tough pill to swallow? Yeah, it would be, but that would be a move that I, I could get on board with that one. But because of what we know about Kawhi Leonard. And I'll, I just don't know if I could do Leonard. I the talent's there, but but and regardless of injury, I just feel like Leonard would be more of a distraction than a help to the Cavaliers. Do you agree with me? Because I, I again, I still believe it, even though he's put on seven pounds of muscle. I don't think Mobley's body is built to play center in the NBA. I, I mean, think as long Mobley... as you have Allen playing center, that's fine. But yeah, I think. I think right now, and Mobley could, as I said, I don't think Mobley's done yet, but I think at least him at the four, that makes plenty of sense right now. Because he is a unicorn. We'll see how he develops, but like, I don't, maybe he'll play the five more as he gets older, but I don't know how it'll go. But like, he's still young. He's what, only what, 21, 22 years old? Like, at, at most, like, the he's still a kid. I mean, he he's younger than both of us. Yeah. Evan Mobley is younger than both of us, yes. which is which a few years ago was crazy to think. Insane and now there's guys yep. like because now there's guys who are like major league baseball veterans and free agents who are, you know, getting three hundred million dollar contracts who are our age or even. Yeah, I'd say like, I think I might be a little bit older than you who are like closer to my age. And I'm thinking like, if only I had that natural talent, like and I hope my brother doesn't see this. I'm going to I'm going to you know, give my brother a little bit of something here. He was the more natural athlete in our family, my younger brother. And he played a really good time with soccer. But if he had felt fallen in love with baseball, like I had, he could switch hit. He could switch pitch. He just, he was quick, not as wow. quick, not like he, I, one arm was more control. One arm was more speed in terms of velo for a while. But like, if he had fallen in love with the game instead of quitting after one year, like when he was a very little kid, I think he could have been a better player than I ever could have been. I think he could have played college. I'm not sure if it would have been Division One, but he could have played college and done something. I like he like I had to work really hard to be you know a good athlete. I had natural speed. Thank you, mom, by the way. <laughs> but uh, overall, like he was the better athlete, and if he could have trained like he did with soccer, I mean, I my brother, I mean, I I would have. I don't know if he would have been able to make it to you know, to the show, but I think I'm, I mean, he would have at least had a shot at college and who knows from there. Cause sometimes all you need is that extra push extra motivation. You see what guys like Jose Ramirez and the, you know, guys like though, you know, Ramirez is, you know, a big time success story, but you know what I mean? Like those kinds of guys who are relentless hard workers, like the guys that you don't expect. Okay. So I said, By the way, about- I'm sorry to my brother for pumping you up like that, but it's just like, I got to give you my, your proper kudos, man. Okay, so I said uh, when Phoenix made the deal to go acquire uh, Bradley Beal, 
I don't know about the fit. I mean, Bill and Booker to me are the same player. Durant yeah. is obviously great when he's healthy, but all three mm-hmm. of them are are injured. And by the way, I got a little pushback on this. I'm probably going to get major pushback from you potentially too. I have taken Kevin Durant out of my superstar tier. He can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. He he can't stay healthy. And what has he done since Golden State? He hasn't been to a to a Western Conference final. He got swept in Brooklyn. Then he decided to quit out of Brooklyn. He's he's unreliable. And now you're going with two injured, you know, very good players in Booker and Beal. Yeah. But as much as we love Chris, I mean Paul, Booker, I wouldn't call put into that injured category necessarily, if you know what I mean. Well, but, Booker's been injured yeah. too, bro, his career, and so is Chris Paul. But I just felt like Chris they Paul have lost Chris Paul and Phoenix. Chris Paul and Phoenix anymore. He's with Golden State. No, I know that, but I'm saying without Chris, they've lost leadership. You swap basically Bradley Beal for CP3. You have lost leadership. You have lost toughness. Devin Booker now, to me, has to become the leader on that team. We'll see if he can do it, but I'm not bought in on Phoenix. I mean, yeah, it's fair to doubt Phoenix, and I'm not going to disagree with you on Durant. I mean... He's close to superstar tier, but like, like you, it's a fair argument because he has just been unreliably just missing too many games uh, the last couple of years. Not because of low management, but just because of just injuries. And I've made and the that, same argument about Kawhi Leonard. He's not in that category. Kawhi Leonard, either. yeah, Kawhi Leonard. That's also why I feel like Kawhi Leonard. Like that's why I also placed like when we were talking a few moments ago. I placed Paul George also over him. I just feel like George would be the more consistent of the two between him and Leonard, but obviously I think I would take Durant a little bit more over George if oh, yeah. you assume health is all good and well. So last NBA question for you. I didn't believe in Denver all last year until in, until they obviously ended up w- winning the championship. Uh, there are some points, and I would say in this even though I think Jamal Murray is the most underrated player in basketball. There were nights Jamal Murray was better than Nikola Jokic on that court, and I'm sorry you can argue that with me to your death. Jamal Murray won game two and game three of the Western Conference for the Nuggets. They don't win the championship without Jamal Murray. Nikola Jokic had to prove it to me. I've never seen him win a championship. I've never seen him do it on that stage before. He finally did it. Uh, the one thing Denver has, and the one thing that Miami had, and the one thing that we're now starting to see in the NBA, you have your superstar, right? The Nikola mm-hmm. Jokic. And in the playoffs on some occasions, your superstar, Jimmy Butler. You have your star, Jamal Murray, Bam Adebayo. Your very good third role player, whoever that may be, whether it's Aaron Gordon, a Tyler Hero, you know, for Milwaukee, a, a Chris Middleton. I still and, feel like Middleton's more that star type, but on the lower end of it. Okay, and I, and and I could make that that argument. I hear that. The rest of your team, then, what was Miami last year, and what was Denver as well? Very good bench guys that knew their role. Three and D mm-hmm. guys veterans, guys that just played well in the scheme and made big shots. And not shots. just that, the coaches. The coaches were part of it, too. The coaches were, you know, executed the culture well, executed the game plans well, and, you know, Spolster obviously came up short, but, I mean, overall, I mean, shame on you for discounting Denver. I mean, they've, they, like, I can understand why people would have, but that also irked me when I saw, what was it, last year, just the comments of, 
just them basically being just harder to write about or whatever it was that I mean I, I mean I thought if you remember vaguely what I'm talking Denver. about but... I thought Golden State was better than Denver. Lakers, no, I didn't I think they were. I thought Phoenix was better than Denver. Phoenix, I could agree. I, I, I thought all these teams were, were were better than Denver. By the way, the Lakers played them the best out, out of every team. They played them top all four games. They couldn't close any of the four games. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think Denver has a chance to repeat. I'm not ready to unveil my NBA predictions. It's more because yeah. of the West. Uh, East, I think I have a pretty good strangle on. The West, I just have no idea. It's kind of like with you and me with the AFC versus the NFC, just because of the teams you root for. We both know like one conference better than the other. So I get you where you're going there. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, I don't, it's like, I, I like Denver, but it's like, can I trust the health of Anthony Davis? No. Can I trust the health of Phoenix? No. Golden State's getting up there in age, but you never know with Golden State. The it's thing very... I'm wondering about here is, is there going to be a team in the next five seasons, this one included, that could win back-to-back titles? That's I, that's the curious it, thing, because I don't know if we're going to get today's one. NBA, I think there's a good chance Denver could do it this year. Mm. I, I will say that, just because I think it's going to take – I think Milwaukee's going to be very good. Do I yeah. see a scenario where it takes them a year or two to get to that ring? Yes, I do. They don't have to win the championship in year one. Uh, you mm-hmm. can make an argument they have to make it to the finals, but I don't think they have to win the championship year one. Yeah. Can we just talk about just for a quick second? Not like, I mean, just I'm just mentioning this briefly, how the least became the East again. I mean, at least like the West just feels like it's underwhelming at the, times. The but... top of it, but I, I mean... For me, it's Boston, Philly, Cleveland, Milwaukee. And then, like, you know, people are trying to talk about the Knicks and the Pacers. What about Philly? What about I, Philly? I, I just said Philly. Philly, okay, Cleveland, Boston, Milwaukee. And and Miami's in there, too. So that's five teams. West, to me, I feel like is Sacramento, Denver, Lakers, Phoenix, and probably Clippers if they're healthy. And you got Memphis in there, too. So and by Memphis the way, Memphis with we'll, John Morant is a different animal. Yeah, like and, Dallas and, is wild. Dallas and is a we'll wild see. Card. I was just about to say Dallas is a wild card. We don't know what Luke and Kyrie are. So this narrative to me that the that the West is like not as good as the East, I don't think it's true. It's not like that. It's just more so like the East is finally back into more of a parity balance. Yeah, no, this is for sure the most balanced NBA we've had in a long time. Speaking of balance, Sean, I want to get to this before we go today. The most balanced sport, what's the, what, you know, I'm sure you would argue is your favorite sport, Major League Baseball. We're talking playoffs. Uh, my colleague over at Championship Rings, I do a show with now every Tuesday night, as you guys know, that link will be in the description below as we are collaborative with Voltage Live on this podcast. Uh, my colleague Josh Unger picked the Milwaukee Brewers when the whole thing they're they're out already. Um, so uh, sorry, Josh. If it was that Brandon Woodruff's you... injury really threw a wrench into things. He Woodruff's injury earlier in the year after a couple starts threw a wrench into a lot of my fantasy season because I there were a few. I just for the last four weeks I needed to win one fantasy matchup to get a first round buy, and I uh... would have got into the title game if I had had that first round buy. That I am sucks. so That's ticked off because it's like I started off like 12 and six, finished the regular season 12 and 10, had the three seed, got beat. I'm uh, like, this just sucks because I literally all I had to do, I had all the perfect scenarios line up and 
mainly because Woodruff was out. There was a couple weeks where like I needed him and one of my pitchers just sucked. But like I, I'm usually really good at identifying pitching. This year I was just really great at identifying hitters. That's unusual for me. I'm usually worse at identifying hitters, even though I'm a hitter. I'm just good at picking out who the breakout stars for the pitching side are just because I know just how much they get battered around by hitters. But I mean, I, I had, I did post like a little mini thread of how I saw the postseason going. So there's, I'm going to own up to some mistakes right now. So I think okay. I want to double check what they, what it was, but go Before on. Before you get there real quick, I'm just going to throw out what, what my world series prediction was and you can break it down all you want. Cause you're the baseball guy. Trust you on this. I had Houston going back to back, but I had them defeating the Braves. Mm, you had them beating the Braves. I just, the thing is, is that I can't really, like Houston got really lucky, I feel like, to get that second, that, that buy round. I mean, they just don't feel that imposing compared to even a year ago or a couple of years ago. Like, that, they just feel off. Like, the Braves, like, they feel like, how Houston would feel the last few years. Like in the AL wildcard round, I was wrong as heck on Toronto, but I nailed on Texas. Uh, the wild cards, I got Philly right. And I wanted to pick Arizona, but I leaned towards Milwaukee just because I was under the assumption that Woodruff would be available. That would have changed everything for me. But uh, I mean, I really, really wanted to pick Arizona. I almost went with Arizona, but I just couldn't pull the trigger. I mean, the Braves are who I think I, yeah, I have the Braves as being my pick to win the whole dang thing. I mean, they just, that whole lineup, and I saw it in action uh, back back when they were here. Mm -hmm. And it was the game where Cleveland came back and won, I'm pretty sure, if I remember right. And I mean, but that lineup that the Braves had and still have, it's it's absurd. Like, you cannot... Like any pitcher, no matter if you have an ace reliever, ace starter on the mound, there, there's no rest. You literally are facing an all-star lineup. Like it's not like the it, – it's almost – I could say maybe it's like the 95, 97 Indians. Like it, it's that good. Well, they have the pitching to go along with it. That's the Yes, that's, 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 the, that's the scariest thing. So with the ALDS, Obviously, Toronto knocked out, but I had them and Baltimore advancing for an ALCS series. But with, I don't know who I'm going to pick between Minnesota and Houston. I, oh, it's I don't. Houston. Minnesota can't hang with Houston. Royce Lewis is the X factor for for Minnesota. Like Houston, I'm just telling you, there's something that feels off about them. I'm hoping. I don't know if I'm hoping I'm wrong or I don't know what. Just something feels weird about Houston. I don't know. The NLDS, obviously, Milwaukee's out. So with that said, I I think I'm going to lean with Arizona to continue their wild card run because I the 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 Dodgers have not had a pitcher top. I don't think 150 innings this year, not one. That's where I get a little bit concerned. Like that's that's something that concerns me. That now that Milwaukee's out and they they are not able to advance to the next round, I would pick. Arizona to maybe beat the Dodgers and that 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 one might be a very risky pick but it's what I'm willing to make I obviously have the Braves beating the Phillies but that one could go south really fast I mean you just saw what the Phillies did to Miami uh but I I I had uh oh I had Toronto coming out of the uh 
the ALCS and coming out of the AL. That was a horrible pick. But so now, now that we know who it is, I think I think me. I think Baltimore might actually arrive a year early. Baltimore might yeah. be the team that gets through. It's pr- if if with the teams that we have left in the postseason, it might be Baltimore or Atlanta, and I would still lean Atlanta. Like Baltimore's uh, got some really good talent, especially on the infield. Um, like you've got at catcher, you got Rushman, like shortstop, third base, uh, capable player with Henderson. I mean, you've got some young guns. Just like this rebuild has been faster than I thought. I hope they're not like the Guardians of last year, where it's like you know they they're going to hit a really rough patch. But like Kyle Bradish, he has been a diamond in the rough for them that they have found. If you're a guy who's got a dynasty league and you have him on your roster, keep him. He is a guy who I could see maybe having more of a breakout next year, like true breakout, because he he really surprised me. He was a solid pickup down the stretch. Like the, they don't have the pitching to keep up with Atlanta with their bats, but an Orioles Braves World Series color me intrigued. It's just Houston. I don't know what to think of them right now. So I just don't feel that I don't feel that dominating presence. Texas, the arms worry me. And then Minnesota is a wild card in a way, but we'll see how it goes again. MLB season. It's a crapshoot sometimes, especially when you get to the postseason. It's who's hot. Who's not two quick things. One, I find it fascinating that in a national week, the two divisional matchups are division matchups. Phillies, Braves, Diamondbacks, Dodgers. Hmm. So yeah. that to me is fascinating. Second point is, it's and I and I know they had a bunch of pitching injuries this season, but how wild is it? Tampa got off to the best start, I believe it was in the that, history well, yeah. of Major League Baseball. Yep, and I think they had that that homer streak too before the Braves one started to come along. And I mean, that was not insane. O- not only did they get off to the best start in MLB history, Sean, they didn't win a hundred games. They didn't even win their division. They but didn't even win a playoff game. I want to say this. Wander Franco not only screwed the Rays, yeah. but he screwed himself if yes, the allegations did. are proven true, if they're true. Because if what Trevor Bauer posted the other day is all factually correct, we know that people can make stuff up. And I usually lean more towards uh, the victims. But obviously... I'm going to wait to withhold judgment on Franco, but oh my God, him not being on that field definitely changed how they could play. I mean, him in that lineup lengthens that lineup significantly. I don't know if it changes that whole series, but my goodness, that that could have been the difference between having a first round bye and getting knocked out of the postseason like they did. And in a year when the Yankees are down, and you know and I know the Yankees are never going to be down for long, they're going to be right back next year. I almost guarantee it. They're going to find a way to spend. They'll get their pitching right. They'll get some more bats right. You know and And I know that they'll finish above 500. Dang it. You know and I know the Yankees are going to be somewhere back next year. Um, you know, that AL East is very competitive. All five teams are better than every team in the AL Central. Somebody had to win that division in the AL Central. Um, you know, we'll just see. The American League is turning it into the AFC of baseball. I mean, don't be just, surprised about Detroit next year. I think Spencer no, I mean, is going to be we, cool. We both, on the been, we both have kept saying Detroit's coming, Detroit's coming, Detroit's coming. 
Cleveland, depending on And their on pitchers who, are finally getting healthy, too. Yep. That is the big thing. Scoobies, those guys. And Cleveland, depending on, on, on who their manager is, and I think those kids are going to get better. I think that they're going to be a better team next year. I think a playoff fringe team. I mean, you have, um, you know, Baltimore, um, Toronto, Tampa, Yankees, Boston. Houston, Seattle, Texas, Minnesota, Cleveland, Detroit. That's like 11 teams next year that I think realistically, and who knows with the Angels situation, what happens with Otani. I mean, we're I want everyone to look me in the eyes. Paul Dolan, David Blitzer, go get me Cody Pellinger. No, no okay. you are not going to get me not just any random bat. Get me Bellinger. He can play first base. He's a great center fielder. And he can play the corners if needed. Give me Bellinger. Give me the bats. I was pounding the table for him last winter. I will do so again, no matter how rationally it means. Anyways, we're we're talking 10-11 teams that can make the playoffs next year. So, very fascinating time indeed. We'll see how the playoffs all shake out. We got to wrap it up here, though, Sean. Appreciate it as always. We had a little technical difficulty at the start that we will be editing into the uh, video version as well as the audio version. Thank you so much. Make sure to go ahead and shout out your social medias real quick. Yeah, go follow me on Twitter at Fitz on Sports BSR. Uh, also, make sure to go uh, follow me if you haven't already on medium.com where I post my columns and my Where Things Stand series. I almost want to bring back the MLB series just because the Yankees suck this year, but we'll have to see about that. That's I don't know. I'm not going to make a decision on the fly like this right now, but again, Twitter at Fits on Sports BSR. Go follow me on Medium. Go check out Where Things Stand 2023 NFL Edition Part 1. Five years we have been doing this. Also, make sure to... Uh, uh, I cannot believe, like even though Twitter has still been able to somehow tread water, I have been picking up followers left and right of late. If you're looking for just anyone to actually, you know, report some reliable news, especially on the high school beat, I've got you covered there as well for uh, Western some of Western Cuyahoga and some of Lorraine County as well. I am going to be, you know, hopefully once football season is over, getting back to a little bit more regular column writing because right now it's just kind of in a little bit of a rough patch, but I'm hoping to do more once we get more into the dead spot of winter. But hey, Thank you so much for having me on, Brandon. I've been, I, it's great to have these kind of chats. And I'm just, whew, it has been a long day. I'm running on fumes from just a little lack of rest. But like this kind of just, this brings me back to just all the times we'd be at BSR, man. I mean, this, these are, these are good times when we ever have it, when we get the chance to chat like this. NFL, NBA. MLB, all with Sean Fitzgerald today. Thank you so much, Sean. We'll be back on Tuesday, breaking out what happens at WWE Fastlane this weekend, along with the MLB playoffs, along with what happened in Week 5 in the National Football League. How did I do on my best bets? How did I do in the money line? We'll find out on Tuesday. Make sure you guys go to all those social media links in the description below. And Once go get me Cody Bellinger. Go get Sean Cody Bellinger. We are in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Live. We'll see you on Tuesday. And...